This is your morning wake-up call on Sports Country. Grab a cup of coffee and hang with us every weekday morning for the latest news, sports, and other things going on around the world and in your backyard. Now, here's your host, Gene Gums. Well, good morning, everybody. Happy Thursday. It's the 25th day of February 2021. Welcome to a Thursday morning wake-up call on Sports Country Radio. Three days left to February. It's already March. I mean, it's great because it's baseball season or will be very soon. And uh, uh, it's nice to see the sun still out after 5 o'clock at night and the piles of snow we have here in the Northeast are going away. It was 50 degrees here yesterday, and uh, you know, so you know, and and uh, it's warming up in Texas for the folks down there, getting a little bit easier. What a nightmare it's been! Uh, so anyway, welcome uh, to the wake up call this morning. Lots to talk about. Uh, we'll start off, of course, with uh, Tiger Woods, because that's what everybody is talking about. Still the lead story on the news and on the morning talk shows, et cetera, et cetera. Um, Now, word came out yesterday that there is not going to be any charges filed against Tiger Woods. They're saying that it was uh, the sheriff's department saying it was purely an accident. Um, And, you know, accidents happen. You know, they said, look, he wasn't. Let's rule out right now. They said he was not drunk. We can throw that out right now. And I would hope at 7.15 in the morning he wasn't. He wasn't, but, you know, but there was no alcohol involved. You know, there's no word whether there was actually a blood work done as to whether he could have been, you know, impaired by drugs or, you know, painkillers or whatever. But look, uh, everybody wants to always jump to the worst. And we talked about this yesterday with the cesspool that is, you know, Twitter, how everybody wants to just dump on this guy. And, oh, you know, he had to be, you know, he had to be a stoned or something. You know, I mean, it's, come on. Uh, you know what? I think it's more likely. I think it's more likely that he was texting on his phone. Or he was talking on the phone or he was somehow distracted, you know, and uh, maybe was driving too fast, you know. But, I, you know, I, I don't think it was uh, anything other than that. And it's a winding stretch of road. They said there's been 12 accidents in that particular area where he had his in the last year. So it's not unheard of. I have a feeling that, you know, he somehow he got distracted, hit a curb, and then it just spiraled, so to speak. Um, so, look, the good news is is that uh, he's awake and, and recovering. He has no memory of the accident, they're saying. And they said the surgery, by the way, 10 hours. 10 hours hours to put this guy's leg back together that's how bad it was so uh you know but he has no memory of it so that's you know i guess that's either good or bad uh you know and i said to to my wife i said you know if if indeed it was distracted driving if it was his phone or whatever we're never going to know that for sure you know but what a lesson he'll have for his kids you know we we all we have all these uh 
you know, things don't text and drive and all this, you know, and, and I think kids tune that stuff out. But if your father can look at you, who is one of the most famous people in the world and said, uh, yeah, this is what I did. Don't do that. Cause I'm lucky to be alive. You know, so if nothing else, it'll be, uh, uh, a lesson if that, if that indeed was what the case was. Now, I guess there's some, the equivalent of a black box in this, uh, vehicle that he was driving a lot of the modern vehicles have some kind of a computer chip in there that can tell investigators speed uh et cetera, et cetera, so that maybe that you know they can get some kind of an idea but at the end of the day does it really matter there was no real property damage it was a one car accident nobody was hurt other than tiger you know so what's the point other than you know everybody wants to because it's tiger woods we want to know everything you know, I mean, in, down to what color underwear he was wearing. Seriously, that's what that's what it is. Because it's Tiger Woods, you know, if this was something that happened in our backyard and it was a one-car accident and it was no harm, no foul, somebody got hurt, fine. You know, we wouldn't be we wouldn't be drilling into this the way that people are. It's it's crazy, it really is. Um, and now the other thing with the whole Tiger Woods thing, I find kind of humorous. Yesterday. Right after the accident happened, or two days ago when the accident first happened, it was like, ah, oh, forget it. He's never playing golf again, and he's he's toast, you know. And uh, now all of a sudden, everybody's like, oh, well, you know, he could play again. And people were referencing the Ben Hogan thing. We talked about that yesterday, and Tiger Woods has actually referred to that through the years as perhaps one of the greatest miracles in sports. I mean, you know, Ben Hogan – you know, fractured pelvis, broken ankle, broken ribs, broken collarbone, came back and won the U.S. Open 16 months later. But as I and many other people have pointed out, Ben Hogan was also 35 at the time. He was 10 years younger than Tiger was. But it's it's funny now. They had a, a surgeon that worked with Alex Smith, the quarterback for the Washington Redskins. And if you remember, well, the Washington football team, I apologize, uh, worked with Alex Smith after that horrific injury he had with uh, his leg and helped him get back to where he was playing again. Well, they had her on this morning on the Today Show, and she basically said it wouldn't shock her at all if he plays again. And she thinks, you know, with modern medicine being what it is and Tiger Woods being who he is and his – uh, drive to succeed, she wouldn't be at all shocked if he comes back. And all of a sudden, everybody's starting to think, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, maybe he will play again. It's just, it's funny how things change in, in a matter of 24 hours, you know, but that's, <laughs> uh, that's the 24-hour news cycle for you. Uh, so, uh, speaking of the 24-hour news cycle, and it wasn't really a news cycle, this was kind of fun. And I don't remember now, maybe they've done this in the past, but I don't remember it. Um, Nesson last night had a one hour live show on from spring training down in Fort Myers with the Red Sox. Talked to Alex Cora, talked to players while they were taking batting practice, while they were throwing, uh, you know, and, uh, and they had some of them, you know, sit down in front of a mic, but talked to a number of players and to the coaching staff and while while it, practice was going on it was interesting um but i don't remember they ever did that before it was it was uh, sponsored by mohegan sun i think they called it uh uh socks at, at sundown or something like that and uh, 
but I don't I don't remember them doing that before. Maybe this is a way for Nesson to try to drum up some uh, some ratings and try to because their ratings took a, a dump last year with the season being what it was and the Red Sox being as bad as it was. You know, and don't forget the Red Sox have a controlling interest in Nesson. So it could be the Red Sox management say, hey, look, we got to figure out a way to, to drum up some interest in this team because, you know, with what everybody else has done, you know, and a lot of the uh, the moves the Red Sox have made have been more kind of the uh, under-the-radar, quieter moves, you know, not making that big splash. You know, maybe we got to try to drum up some excitement. So, you know, for, for whatever reason, but it was fun. Um, you know, and <laughs> I mentioned it. I mentioned it to Barb last night, you know, that I watched that, and she just looked at me when she got home from work last night and just rolled her eyes. <laughs> like, you're just impossible. But it was, you know, look, it was great. And they had uh, a couple of first impressions. Janie Martinez, I would, I'll tell you what, if I was a betting man, and I'm not, but if I was a betting man, I would bet on him having a big bounce back year. He really seems very thoughtful you know we we heard a lot of narrative last year in the media about jd martinez and about how you know major league baseball had restricted access to video and how it was you know he was using that as an excuse and he was whining you didn't hear any of that last night he seemed to have know exactly what it was that the problem uh, where the problem was last year and he seemed to know exactly how to fix it and watching him take swings last night, you know, and listening to some of the things that he said, you know, he really seems to be on the right track. So I would, I would not bet against him at all this year. But one thing I found interesting, he talked about last year, one of the, the reasons he lost a bunch of flexibility last year. And he said one of the reasons that he believes that he did was he didn't play the outfield last year. So, you know, basically when he was told that he wasn't going to play the outfield, he, he'd stopped throwing the way he normally does. You know, as an outfielder, you're, you know, you're throwing on a regular basis and uh, keeping that arm flexible. And, and he didn't do that last year when he knew he wasn't going to play the outfield. And he said he lost that flexibility in the shoulder. And because of that, it led to other problems in his swing. So he knows that he needs to get back to getting his flexibility and it's something that he's been working on and 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 they actually asked him hey you know do you think you'll play the outfield more and he says well you know he said I talked to Alex Cora about it and he, and he said to him he said Alex the last time I played the outfield uh we won the world series so you know he obviously sounds like he would be up for it I wouldn't count on it but be that as it may even if he doesn't if that throwing program as an outfielder helped uh, keep that, that those muscles and uh, and that uh, agility in that shoulder. Then he needs to he needs to get back to that. Um, other quick takeaways. You know, it was interesting. A lot of people have talked about Kike Hernandez or Enrique Hernandez, the new second baseman slash outfielder that the Red Sox acquired as a free agent from the Los Angeles Dodgers. And a lot was talked about about what a great. Uh, personality he was and what a great clubhouse leader he was and how he's going to have a positive impact on this Red Sox team. 
Now, that may well be true. And and I, I liked Kike Hernandez as a player, but I don't know anything about him as a person because, you know, when you're on the opposite coast, you don't see a lot of, you know, that kind of side, the, the more personable side of people. But my first impressions when they interviewed him last night was, meh. You know, maybe uh, now maybe he is great. Maybe this was just awkward for him. He didn't know what to say. But he, he didn't come across as any great uh, funny loose personality he seemed very stiff you know again new to the market so i'm not gonna say that he that that everything i've heard isn't true it's just that my first impressions were not that great you know he just seemed like kind of a you know a a bland kind of guy but um the other thing that i took away from last night eduardo rodriguez uh look we know that if they're going to succeed erod has to do well and he seems very ready. He seems okay. You know, he does not seem to have any uh, concerns about the myocarditis at all. He seems to think that he is going to be good to go. Uh, so that's that's great. Um, and uh, Nate Valdi seems focused already. Uh, well, he we know he's an intense guy to begin with, but he seems... Um, he seems like he knows he's going to probably be the number one or number two guy, probably the number two guy. He's going to start the first spring training game for the Red Sox, but he, you know, when the season starts, unless there's some kind of a setback for Erod, you would think Erod will be the opening day pitcher, and Nate will probably be number two. And he seems uh, ready to prove to folks that you know, look, I'm healthy now, and you know. I'm going to be fine and, you know, don't count out this team. I, I was more impressed with what he said, I think, than anybody else last night. He seemed uh, very thoughtful. One other thought before we move on. Uh, they had Matt Barnes on last night. Matt Barnes, of course, the Red Sox closer last year. He's from Danbury, Connecticut, uh, UConn grad. He flat out said he wants to close. You know, and there's been a lot of talk about what they will do with the bullpen this year. You know, Barnes uh, struggles in terms of, you know, having efficient innings because he goes deep into counts to too many guys, and that's because he relies on his curveball too much. Um, But he was pretty uh, adamant last night that he wants to close. And but he also knows that he needs to be more efficient so that, you know, he can go out and get a ninth inning and do it in 15 pitches as opposed to 25 or 30 so that he's available that next night. He said, but. At the same time, you know, when I was the setup guy, they'd have me pitch back-to-back days when I threw 20-something pitches. So there's no reason why I can't do it as a closer. But he said he absolutely wants to close. And you know what? It's good to hear. Um, I, uh, uh, I I don't like watching him be the Red Sox closer right now because of his inefficiency. It's I swear to God, I'm, I'm diving for the Rolades every time he comes in the game because every it seems like every batter. You know, he gets ahead of a guy 0-2, and then the next thing you know, it's 3-2 because he'll get ahead of him 0-2, and then he tries to, to spike these curveballs and hoping to get somebody to chase. And everybody seems to know he's going to do that, and so he goes full counts all the time. Drives me nuts. Absolutely nuts. Um, so, but he wants to close. Let's hope that, I, I you know, look, I'm not, I hate the bullpen by committee thing, <coughs> for lack of a better way of putting it. Um, I hope that the Red Sox name a closer, whether it's him, 
whether it's out of Vino, whether it's on the on the outside chance that there, there's talk of Darwin's and Hernandez being a late inning guy, whatever it is, I just hope that they name a closer and they stick with it so that we're not playing a guessing game every day who's going to be the closer because I just don't think that benefits anybody. I think these pitchers are all creatures of habit and they all need to know what their roles are. So, um, Yankee news. I watched yesterday the press conference that Domingo Herman had uh, with the New York Yankees about his suspension and uh, for domestic violence. And... His attempt to come back, I'm like, look, this guy hasn't pitched since 2019. He missed the final nine games of the 2019 regular season and all nine of the Yankees postseason games that year. Uh, He was suspended for 81 games on January 2nd of last year, which left him out of the entire 2020 season and the playoffs. This is a guy who was slated to be one of the aces of this Yankee staff. He went 18 and four in 2019 and that's with missing, you know, a start or two because of his suspension. Um, and that hurt the Yankee team. No question. Not having him, you know, that and the, uh, the injury to Severino and all of a sudden the Yankees were throwing out Larry, Larry Moe and Curley, uh, to pitch games. You didn't know who it was going to be. So, but I watched his press conference yesterday and obviously he doesn't speak English or at least not very well. So he did it through an interpreter, but he seemed, I want to say he seemed sincere. Now at the same time, there is no excuse for domestic violence. And, and by all reports, this was, you know, a scary thing. It was, you know, to the point where the girlfriend had to lock herself in the bathroom and, Uh, And there are a number of players on this Yankee team that are not happy about him being back. You know, there, there has been a rash of this around Major League Baseball with guys that have been involved in domestic violence incidents. Um... And it seems like in a lot of cases, Major League Baseball teams, you know, the guy has to serve a suspension, but then they don't, it, there's never any, there doesn't seem to be any repercussions for this these guys other than that. And, and look, everybody deserves a second chance. And look, I, I, I was in a, my first marriage was not a great one, but I never, um, there was no domestic violence involved as mad as, mad as I got at my ex-wife, <laughs> you know, you just don't, you just don't hit a woman. You know, you just, there's no excuse for that. At the same time, as I said, having been in a bad relationship, you understand how things can go south in a hurry. And you also want to say, look, everybody deserves a second chance. And I firmly believe that. Look, as, as some, you know, as someone who, you know, is not an angel, we have all made mistakes in our lives and we would like to think that when we make a mistake, we get a second chance. He has that second chance here. But as Luke Voigt pointed out to the media 
yesterday that, look, you know, we've got his back. We're happy that, you know, he's here. Or we're going to we're going to help him out as much as we can. However, he's on thin ice. And I, you know, I think that that is Im- the important thing here is that you can get a second chance and he deserves that second chance. But there is no third chance. And there is not even is there no third chance. There can be no smell of anything untoward is, is in, in his personal life. There can't ever be another phone call from uh, his girlfriend to the police. You know, he, he can't. It, it was a big mistake. There can't even be a little mistake as far as that goes. And you look, Voight said, look, everybody looks at Herman a little differently now. You know, he said, I still think he's, I still think of him as a friend, but everybody looks at him differently now. So if you're Domingo Herman, you have got to be a choir boy. Look, the Yankees already have a guy on the team that had domestic violence issues, and it's uh, there are there are people to this day that hate the fact that he's in a Yankee uniform, and that's a Roldis Chapman, their closer. He served a a thirty game suspension in twenty sixteen after an altercation with his girlfriend. You know, and so you know he has kind of uh, taken her mom under his wing, so to speak, and 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 talked to him about this whole thing. And I think what he has told her mom is, dude. You know, this is your one get-out-of-jail-free card. I mean, it wasn't free. It cost you, you know, a season and a half. But understand that you don't get another chance here. So hopefully the message has gotten through. If you watched Herman's press conference yesterday, he seemed very sincere. At times he seemed very emotional about uh, what had happened. And hopefully for him, the message has been received and uh, we won't ever hear about this again and there are some people that will never forgive him and I get that you know again as I said there's no excuse for ever putting your hands on a woman no matter I don't care how mad they make you because uh, they're just they're just not so you know so there are people Yankee fans that will never be able to get past that it's understandable but at the same time you know uh, everybody is allowed to make mistakes. It's what you do after that mistake that matters. And now Domingo Herman has to prove to Yankee fans that he understands that. It's 29 minutes past the hour. We're going to take a break. We're back in a minute. You're listening to the Wake Up Call on Sports Country. It's 31 minutes past the hour. Welcome back to the wake-up call. The Yankees also uh, finalized their deal with uh, Brett Gardner to return to, to the team. It's a one-year deal for $5 million bucks. It's his 14th year or will be his 14th year with the Yankees. But the Yankees also said, Brett Boone came right out and said that they expect that Clint Frazier will be their starting left fielder this year, not Brett Gardner. Um, Clint Frazier finally getting a chance. It seems like every year that guy gets jerked around. It's a guy that everybody thinks highly of, but for some reason every year he starts the season 
uh, in the minors. But this year he's going to start with the team and is projected to be their left fielder. But the thing about Gardner that's great is that he gives them the ability uh, to play him every day. I mean, if you want to give Frazier a day off, if you want to give Aaron Hicks a day off or Aaron Judge a day off, you've got that flexibility with a guy like Brett Gardner. Uh, Gardner is a, a guy that uh, Yankee fans love. I mean, look, just, uh, what, two years ago in 2019, uh, he had 28 home runs, you know, uh, he's what, 36, 37 years old. And, uh, he had 28 homers, 74 runs, batted and hit 250 that year. And it, one of those guys that will run through a wall. So Yankee fans love him. So, uh, um, you know, I, as a Red Sox fan, you know, I, I hate the guy, but <laughs> not really. Uh, so anyway, so but uh, Clint Frazier finally going to get an opportunity uh, uh, to play left field for the New York Yankees, providing you know nothing funky happens in uh, in spring training. Speaking of spring training, games start on Sunday. Can't wait, can't wait. Everybody starts playing on Sunday, um, and uh, as we said, the Red Sox will send Nate Valdi out for their first spring training game and. Uh, Alex Cora said that he expects the early games to go seven. Major League Baseball said they could go as short as five, but like Cora said, I can't imagine any manager only wanting to play five unless it's one of those horrible games where you can't get anybody out and you've used up every pitcher you have by the fifth inning, but uh, probably uh, not likely. Uh, a couple of uh, coronavirus notes because God knows we can't have a show before without talking about the coronavirus. Uh, come to find out that uh, AL MVP Jose Abreu has tested positive for the virus um he is completely asymptomatic but he is going to quarantine for a little while he will not join the club probably until sometime next week um because you know you just can't take any chances with that but the good news is he's asymptomatic uh on the other side of that ledger uh, andrew miller uh tested positive 10 days before reporting to camp and was not asymptomatic uh, he said he feels okay now. Nobody else in his family got it, but he was sick and uh, uh, lost his uh, sense of smell. And uh, he said he does have some uh, some fatigue issues because he had to completely shut it down for a couple of weeks because he was sick. But uh, he said that, uh, you know, he said he feels okay now. He's just going to have to pace himself. He's 35 years old, which doesn't help either. And, look, this, he's going to be a big part um, uh, of that uh, that team this year. Andrew Miller, because this is a guy that was one and one last year in that abbreviated season, four saves and 16 appearances, a 2.77 ERA. Uh, you know, he's going to be an important piece uh, for the St. Louis Cardinals. So hopefully uh, he's going to be okay. And, uh, you know, you just, it's Frankie Cordero of the Red Sox. Uh, same deal. The re- one of the reasons why he is not in camp yet is he tested positive as well. And so, you know, we're we're getting there with the virus. You know, we're getting there with the vaccines. Johnson and Johnson vaccines have been approved. I guess it will be out. Uh, they're going to start distributing that uh, as early as Friday. But we got a long way to go. Long way to go. A um, couple other uh, baseball signing notes. Uh, Travis Shaw has signed a minor league deal. Excuse me, with the uh, Milwaukee Brewers. Uh, spent last year, of course, with the uh, Toronto Blue Jays. Uh, this is a guy that was a rising star when he broke onto the scene with the Red Sox. Uh, they ended up moving him to Milwaukee, and uh, 
you know, he had some early success there, but then things went south in a hurry, and he has not been able to uh, refine that uh, that form he had in Boston. Ian Kennedy signed a minor league deal with the Texas Rangers. Uh, Kennedy's a guy just two years ago had 30 saves for the Kansas City Royals. Uh, struggled a bit last year uh, in that shortened season, but again, I I don't count that for anything. Uh, but he'll have an opportunity to uh, get a bullpen job with the Texas Rangers, and God knows they could use the help. Um, excuse me. Uh, Jake Lamb signed a $1 million deal with the Atlanta Braves. Lamb's a guy who looked like his career was over uh, with Arizona and uh, then uh, got traded to Oakland last year and, and played very, very well. So uh, the Atlanta Braves have brought him in, and uh, Julio Tehran has also uh, – uh, found a new team. He has signed a minor league contract with the Detroit Tigers. Teron's only 30 years old. Now, he was terrible last year for the Angels. But prior to that, he had made at least 30 starts a year for seven straight years. And a two-time All-Star. His ERA was under four in both 2018 and 2019 with the Atlanta Braves. So I, I think that the uh, Detroit Tigers got themselves a steal here. I think there's a lot of gas left in that Julio Teron tank. And uh, I think that's a good signing by the Tigers. Uh, Mitch Moreland, old friend from the Boston Red Sox, has signed a one-year deal with the Oakland Athletics for $2.5 million. Now, uh, he's going to be a part-time player, maybe a DH. I mean, he uh, he's a guy that they can use. Matt Olson is their first baseman, and he's not moving Matt Olson. But he's a guy that will be able to give Olson a day off. Uh, they traded Chris Davis, you know, their big power hitter, uh, so he could get some uh, some at-bats as a designated hitter, perhaps. Look, Moreland is a great first baseman, uh, and he's a great hitter. Uh, Mitchie Two Bags, as we like to call him in Boston. So a uh, good signing. Again, not an expensive one, but a good signing by the Oakland Athletics. Uh, Tyler Clippard signed a one-year deal with the Arizona Diamondbacks. It's his second stint with the Diamondbacks. Uh, Clippard's a guy, a two-time All-Star. Uh, had a good year last year with the Minnesota Twins. Um, second good bullpen signing by the Arizona Diamondbacks. Uh, they earlier signed uh, uh, Joaquin Soria to a one-year deal as well. So that uh, that's a couple of good signings for the Arizona Diamondbacks. Look, they're, they're going to struggle to compete in the AL West, obviously with San Diego and Los Angeles, but uh, trying to keep themselves relevant. Um, and Trevor Rosenthal, a one-year deal for $11 bucks with the Oakland Athletics. Uh, he pitched, of course, last year uh, with Kansas City and San Diego and was very good. Uh, 11 saves and a 1-9-0 ERA uh, between those two clubs, so uh, a good signing there as well. A couple of guys looking to get back into baseball. Ioana uh, Cespedes is going to hold a uh, showcase for Major League Baseball teams on March 2nd. Wants to play this year. He had a chance to play last year, uh, but opted out of the season, and he said it was because of the coronavirus. Uh, I think it was more of he was not happy with the role the Mets saw for him, and he wasn't going to be able to play on a regular basis, so he said, fine, I'll take my ball and go home. So he did. Uh, he has not played essentially since 2018 because of injuries. Uh, this is a guy that you know, was rehabbing from one injury and then was on his farm and stepped in a hole and broke an ankle. And, uh, but 
He's a two-time All-Star. He's a guy that's got a lot of pop. He's a 279 career hitter, you know, and uh, don't know who's going to show up, but he's going to hold a showcase in hopes that somebody will show up and give him a deal. You know, part of the problem Cespedes has now is after having been a game away from the game for so long, you don't know what he's got left and whether he's still capable of playing the outfield or not. Uh, he was a uh, <laughs> an adventure in the outfield to begin with. And with half the teams now not having a designated hitter since the universal DH wasn't put in this year, uh, I think that limits his market. So I don't know. You know, he may get a minor league deal from somebody, but I can't imagine a lot of teams lining up to sign him. But, you know, we'll see. Um, this one's fascinating. Scott Casimir is trying to come back. Now, Scott Casimir has not pitched in Major League Baseball since 2016. Uh, he signed a minor league deal with the San Francisco Giants. Um, the, the president of baseball operations, Farhan Zaidi, in San Francisco knows Casimir very well um, because he was uh, uh, with Oakland and Los Angeles while Casimir was with them. Uh, Gabe Kapler was a former teammate of his as well. So, uh, look, he's 37 years old. Uh, he got released by Atlanta in 2018, but uh, pitched a little bit uh, in an independent league last year. They say that his fastball's up around 92, 93 miles an hour. Uh, so we'll see. You know, I, he's uh, the last time he really pitched a full season was in 2016 when he made 26 starts and pitched to a four, five, six ERA. So, you know, maybe that time away and, and given the armor break has helped, but, uh, uh, and the giants don't appear to have a spot in the rotation. So he's probably looking at some kind of a, a bullpen role, but, uh, Scott Casimir trying to come back. So good for him. You know, well, why not? Why not? I know everybody says, you know, there was a comment the other day, I was thinking about this when I was thinking about Casimir. He said, well, you know, he didn't have anything left. She'd just retire. Who are we to tell guys when it's time is up? There was a, a thing last week. Remember uh, Albert Pujols' wife posted something on Instagram as Albert goes into his final year of his contract with the Angels and basically made it sound like that her husband was retiring. It was almost like she was announcing that he was retiring. Now, he later backtracked that and said, no, 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 I never said that. I don't know what I'm going to do after this year. But then the comments started flying around Twitter and, and Facebook about, well, he should have retired a long time ago. You know, if he had, if he had retired, he could have retired as a 300 hitter. And, you know, he, he hung on too long just the way like guys like Mickey Mantle and stuff did. Who are we to say that? You know, I mean, that saying somebody played too long, that's like, you know, is anybody coming to your office? And saying, hey, you know, you've lost a little off that computer programming ability of yours. Maybe you should retire. You know, you don't code as fast as you used to. Maybe you should retire. You know, you don't punch the numbers on that cash register the way you used to. Maybe it's time that you retired. You know, what the hell? Who is anybody to say when somebody uh, should leave their job? You know, who, you know who says it? You do or your boss does. But some third party looking from the outside doesn't have the right to say Albert Pujol should retire or, you know, that Mickey Mantle should have retired, you know, years before. It's none of anybody's business. Nobody's coming into my workplace and telling me that I need to retire. Now, if my boss tells me I'm not doing the job and he fires me, <laughs> that's completely different. 
But, you know, maybe you don't code the way you did 10 years ago. But you still code. You know, maybe Albert doesn't hit the ball the way he used to. He's 40 years old, 41 years old, and he's got bad bad wheels, you know. But he can still jack the ball out of the ballpark and, you know, 30 times a season. So, and if the Angels want to keep him on the roster, who are, who are we to say you should retire? I, that always That's one of those things that has always irked me, you know, telling a guy when he needs to retire. You know, until somebody has the right to come into your job and tell you when you should retire, shut the hell up. 45 minutes past the hour. I'm going to take a break. Back in a minute. You're listening to The Wake Up Call on Sports Country. Welcome back to The Wake Up Call. 47 minutes past the hour. Programming note, we've got high school basketball coming up at 5.30 this evening or this afternoon, whatever you want to call 5.30. Uh, it'll be Coggenshog at the Cromwell Girls, 5.30. Jay Hickey and I will be on the call. Hope you can join us for that one. The UConn women with a game tonight. Uh, they will be at Creighton. It is the first of three games in five days, so a busy finish uh, to the regular season for the UConn Huskies. The Big East Tournament starts next weekend. Uh, they will be at Creighton tonight. Creighton 6-6 uh, six and six in conference play, 7-9 and nine overall. UConn beat them by 33 back in December. This will not be a game. This one will be over by halftime. You know, I mean, I, it's, it's, it's as simple as that. Uh, Kristen Williams has been on fire. You know, everybody talks about uh, Paige Beckers, as they should, the super freshman for the uh, UConn Huskies. But Kristen Williams, uh, their junior point guard, has been very, very good the last three games. Put up 19, 21, and 22 in each of the last three games. So uh, if you want to watch this one, I won't be able to watch it because I'm going to be broadcasting a game. It starts at 6 o'clock. Uh, so I'll, I'll have to miss this one. But if you want to watch it, watch it you know, be, right away and before halftime because it'll be over by then. Uh, one other note here from the state of Connecticut. Bryson DeChambeau has uh, committed to play in the Travelers Championship in Cromwell in June. Uh, he is the 10th-ranked golfer in the world right now. He has played at, um, at the Travelers every year uh, since he turned pro five years ago. Uh, so this will be his sixth appearance there. So uh, uh, he has posted three straight top ten finishes um, at the TPC River Highlands. So uh, he joins uh, number one, Dustin Johnson, uh, as the first two that have committed to play in the tournament this June. Uh, they usually, they routinely get six or seven of the top ten players in the world to come to Travelers because uh, uh, it is one of the most popular stops on the PGA Tour. So uh, good to hear that DeChambeau's coming. Uh, the Celtics lose again last night, and it's getting bad, folks. They got embarrassed last night by the Atlanta Hawks, one twenty-seven to one twelve. And you say, "Well, it's only a fifteen-point loss." Uh, it was seventy-two to forty-nine at halftime. Uh, the Celtics looked disinterested. They looked, uh, you know, I don't even know what the problem is anymore. I don't know whether it's Brad Stevens, I you know, like the players have tuned him out. There's been a lot of talk that he's lost these guys. I don't know why. Uh, I think it's more a case if you've got some young kids that need to, to mature a little bit. As good as Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum are, uh, they can't allow this to happen. Now, Kemba Walker didn't dress last night. They're not dressing him in back-to-back games because of the knee. They're trying to be very careful with him, which I get. Um, so he didn't play last night. But your best two players, the guys that are heading to the All-Star game, by the way, Went a combined 10 for 36 and 1 of 14 from three-point range. That's your problem. 
you know, and I'm tired of hearing how great these guys are. And I'm not saying they're not good players, you know, let's, you know, let's, let's dispel that. I'm not saying they're not good players, but you can't go on a regular basis four for 20, one for eight from three and expect, you know, that your team's going to win. And on, you know, Jalen Brown, six for 16, you know, again, you can't, you can't have that. You know, the Celtics shot 44% from the field last night. They allowed the Hawks to shoot 53% from the field. And get this, Atlanta set a franchise record. They hit 23 three-pointers last night. They were 23 of 42 from three. They shot 55% from three-point range. That's the problem. You're awful on offense, the Celtics, 4 for 20, 6 for 16, and then you can't play defense either? I mean, it's brutal. Absolutely brutal. And, you know, I don't know what the fix is. You know, and I'm tired of hearing in post-game press conferences Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum saying, you know, got to play better, you know, got away from us, you know, and got to do more. We got to play better. Hey, no kidding. But at some point, that stuff rings hollow if you're not actually making any kind of change to make that happen. You know, and I don't think Brad Stevens needs to get fired. All right, that's number one. Because I don't think he's he's been given a full deck of cards. He had to start the season without Kemba Walker. They don't have a true big man. You know, Daniel Tice, you know, starts yesterday. He plays 11 minutes. He goes over two. He doesn't grab. He doesn't doesn't touch a rebound. I mean, it's just brutal. Tristan Thompson rebounded the ball fairly well, but he's not a you know he is not a consistent threat. Grant Williams, you know, last night no points, two rebounds. They've got to get more production from their big men. They've got to figure that out. So that's that's on Danny Ainge. That's not on Brad Stevens. And I think part of the problem with the guys like Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown is and Kemba Walker when he's playing, they feel like they have to do too much, and they're trying to do too much. But at some point, the excuses have got to stop, and there's got to be productions. Do you realize right now, if, they're, if the playoffs started today, the Celtics are tied for the eighth seed? Eighth. This is a team that was supposed to be one of the top, you know, two or three best teams in the Eastern Conference. They're eighth right now. And, you know, at some point, somebody's going to have to pay the price. And we saw that happen in golf. I mean golf. In hockey. Uh, Two days ago, Claude Julien got fired, the coach of the Montreal Canadiens. Why? Because they've lost five of six and six of eight. And that's after starting. I think they started, I want to say, eight, one, and two, something like that. They they got off to a blistering start. And now they've lost five of six and six of eight. And the Canadians fired Claude Julien, one of the most revered coaches in the NHL. Fired him. And, and also fired associate coach Kirk Muller. And handed the reins to Dominique Ducharme. Uh, they named him as an uh, an interim coach. He's a guy that's only been with the team since April of 2018. 
Uh, he he's never been a head coach in the NHL. He worked in the uh, the the Quebec Major Junior Hockey League. Uh, now he did coach Canada's team at the World Junior Championships, but he's never been a head coach in the NHL. And you fired one of the best coaches after a great start, and you're still in the you know you're still in the middle of the pack in terms of uh, playoff seedings and stuff. And they fired him. So Brad Stevens needs to be looking over his shoulder, and these Celtics players are directly responsible for that, and they need to get this figured out. And Danny Ainge needs to get this figured out and make it so that guys like Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown aren't trying to jack up threes and shots that aren't good shots because they don't have any faith that they can get the ball inside and get consistent production. And that's on the general manager, not on Brad Stevens. Give him a roster that he can work with, and they'll be just fine. Uh, one other note before we get out of here: Anna Sor- Annika Sorenstam. I'm gonna, I'm gonna. Wa- I don't usually watch the LPGA tour, but I'm kind of fascinated, so I'm gonna watch it. She's 50 years old. She retired at the top of her game in 2008. I want to say she was 37 years old when she retired. She had won back-to-back tournaments, and she retired. Well, she's uh, she's appearing in a tournament this weekend. Um, she's, uh, at the Gainbridge LPGA stop, uh, that's in Lake Nona, Florida, which is in her backyard. Literally. I think her house is on the 16th hole and, um, she turned 50 in October and she is going to tee it up this week. Uh, she has talked about maybe coming back to play in the U S senior women's open. Um, she's kind of gotten the itch a little bit cause her youngest son, I think he's nine or 10 years old has kind of started playing golf a little bit. So she's been out. Uh, so she is teeing it up this week. A lot of people are excited. She said, relax. This is not a comeback. This is an appearance. Uh, she's, she said she would be happy uh, if she shoots par. She's not planning on going out there and winning the tournament, but she's just excited about being out there. And I'm going to watch it. And this look, this would be like having Tiger Woods. This is how Annika Sorenstam was so dominant in women's golf. It'd be like Tiger Woods retiring when he was 35, coming back 15 years later. That's what it would be like. Because that's what she was to the LPGA Tour before she retired. That's how good she was and how dominant she was. That's going to do it for us here this morning. We'll be back tomorrow with another edition of the Wake Up Call. Going to leave you this morning with some music from Trisha Yearwood. Found out yesterday, Garth Brooks says that uh, Trisha uh, is recovering uh, from COVID-19. And she got pretty sick. And he said she's got really good care. They're, you know, They were a little bit concerned. And they're hoping she's going to make a full recovery and one of the greatest voices in uh, female voices in country music, uh, Trisha Yearwood, and you know, she's 59 years old. So, uh, uh, send a few prayers out that uh, she fully recovers uh, from the virus. So, we'll leave you with the music from her this morning. She's in love with the boy. Have a great day. We'll see you tomorrow. You've been listening to the Wake Up Call on Sports Country. <laughs>